Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey everybody, this is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trade in the Stock Market, and today's episode is from a guy who wrote me on Twitter. He actually wrote me twice on Twitter, and I never saw it. Why? Because I usually don't check my Twitter messages. There's a lot of ways to get in contact with me, and I think sometimes as a result, things fall through the cracks in terms of some of the lesser used methods like Twitter or Facebook Messenger. Usually I see the Facebook Messenger, but Twitter I usually never see. So I was checking the Twitter messages because it said I had a few, and this guy here wrote me twice about similar questions, but I'm going to incorporate both of these emails into the episode because I feel like they complement each other really well. And for the purposes of keeping this guy's identity a secret, I'm going to call the guy Hank, good old Florida redneck name, also a good country singer. Hank writes, Mr. Mallory, I am a new trader. I started during the fish in a barrel COVID lows. That's a new term. I've never heard that one before. I had no idea what I was doing. And as the market rebounded, decided I needed to actually learn what I was doing to be a successful trader long-term. I don't follow any watch lists or get any notifications. I want to learn how to fish, i.e. that kind of goes back to that saying of give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach him how to fish, feed him for a lifetime. So he wants to learn to fish. He goes on to say, I started a few months ago listening to your podcast and I am excited with every new episode. It has been a really great help. I have two questions for you, if you don't mind. One, what is high volume? Is it 10% more than the 10-day moving average, 50% more than the 50-day moving average. High is relative, so when you discuss breakouts on volume, what do you classify as high volume? Number two, I know you like questions that you can do on your show, but do you answer more specific chart questions? If so, I was looking at Etsy, and it appears to me, and still during these chart patterns, to be an inverse head and shoulders pattern on the three-month daily candles. However, the recent days appears to create a head and shoulders the other way as well. Does one pattern typically override another pattern, or is this a sign that the stock hasn't decided yet and we should watch it further? If you don't answer specific chart questions, I completely understand. Thank you for your time. Sincerely, Hank. Then he goes on to write me another letter. And by letter, I mean message. And I'll skip through the pleasantries on this one. He said, essentially, I started during the COVID pandemic, which we already know, at the prodding of a friend, made good money on a lucky trade with Penn. He got in at $13 a share, got out at $84 and decided, hey, why not do this more? I have a very small account. Typically due to my risk, can buy at most two to three shares at a time. A majority of my stocks are just one share, so I have struggled to find the right time to take a profit. However, I have kept true to your doctrine of risk management, and so far this year, I am up 32%. My current win loss percentage is about 65%, taking usually around 4% profit and my average loss is around 2%. Man, that's great, dude. I wish I was right 65% so far this year. He goes on to say, buying only a share at a time as soon as I get nervous or question a trade, both winning and losing, I sell and move on. I get nervous for a reason and that will cloud my judgment. So I get out and I enter a new trade with a clear mind. I have been trying to understand the stock market and learning since the pandemic. This grind has led to me being in the red for the last two years. However, each year I've gotten closer to break even. And as I already said, this year has been the best start to my young journey. I feel like my trading method, which centers on the TTM squeeze 10-day breakout strategy, has been a positive one so far for me this year. However, I am struggling with reading volume into the equation. Okay, so we talked about that a little bit already. He also asks, I get a big candle on high volume. Is that good and a good sign for a breakout? So do you look for a retest confirmation 
And if so, that would make sense. But how do you read volume in a range? I am sorry if I'm getting my vocabulary wrong, just a little. Please feel free to correct me. So an example to help with the question would be on stock symbol ZWS, Zern LK Water Solutions on 421 is trading in a range and triggered on my market scan. That day there is a small green candle staying inside the range, but very high volume. Is this volume showing that there are buyers and that this is promising, or does that show that there is a bunch of sellers above this area keeping the price down? Do the wicks play a role in this? Is this typically bullish, bearish, and how do you determine? Price and volume are the cornerstones that any decision needs to be based on. So what story has been told and what should I be looking for and so on? What's Okay, we're doing a little bit of rambling here, but okay. So at the end there, he's like, I'm trying to understand what story the chart is telling me. If you've listened to some of my past podcast episodes, I always talk about, you know, the charts, they're telling a story. And it's our job as technical analysts to figure out what that story is. Is it basing? Is it getting ready to break out? Is it topping? Is it getting ready to sell off? Is it in the midst of a really strong trend? Is it in the midst of a big decline? As traders, that's what we're trying to figure out. So with all of that being said, for today's podcast, I'm drinking some Buffalo Trace here. And for those who aren't familiar with Buffalo Trace, it's a good everyday sipper. I like it from the weekend standpoint. A lot of people pay it way too much money for it. You should be only paying like $20 to $25 for a glass of it. it. They're selling it for more than $25 at some secondary liquor store. I would not get it. But yeah, for this podcast, drinking myself a little Buffalo Trace, really good stuff for the price at least. Okay, so breaking down this somewhat of a long-winded email, but it's a good one. He asks some important questions. What is high volume? Is it more than 10%? than the 10-day average. So what do I use? For swing trading, I'm usually a little bit more interested in the volume over the past month. What's the average been for the past month? So for that, I use a 21-day moving average. Simple moving average, I overlay it on the volume. If it's above the 21-day moving average, I consider that high volume. If it's below it, I consider it low volume. A lot of times it's just sitting right there on it. So the 21-day moving average, the reason why I chose 21 is there's typically about 21 or 22 days in a given trading month. So I took 21, that's what I base it off of. Now, obviously, the higher you get above the 21-day moving average, the stronger the volume is. The lower, the more so. And also, I think it's important to look at the trend in volume. If you're seeing day after day the volume getting less and less, it means that people are losing interest in the market, especially if it's getting less and less below average. And that's one of the things that we've been dealing with over the last 17 days until today, where the NASDAQ was trading in a 17-day range, sideways, Hardly doing anything, it would gap down, rally right back up to break even, gap higher, sell off, and sell off right back to break even on the day for the most part, give or take a few points. Now, that didn't happen every day, but most days it did. And it was very frustrating, but you could see where people were losing interest in the market because every day that volume was getting less and less and less. And then it was getting extraordinarily low. I mean, when we were trading below the volume on SPY, for instance, that was below the volume reading from the half day before Christmas when the market closed at 1 p.m. Eastern. And so when you start getting into these really low volume levels that's well below the 21-day moving average, that's usually a sign for me that there's a good chance some of these breakouts are not going to be able to hold or breakdowns for that matter if the volume is low. But now today I talked about the 17-day range. The queues broke below that range and did so on above average volume. Most of the time for us to get a sustainable sell-off it needs to be on high volume, at least as it pertains to the indices. If it's on low volume, there's a very good chance it's going to get bought up before the end of the day. It's just one of those things that's been going on for a few years now. The market can go up on low volume. That's been a standard of this market, I would probably say, for like years now. 
And so during the summer months, like July and August, it's not uncommon to have some really, really low volumes as a lot of people are on vacation. And as a result, you just get this market that can't sell off and just marches up two or three points a day. But almost every significant sell-off that you ever see will be done on extreme or strong volume. He asks another question here that should I be looking for 50% more than the 50-day moving average, or in the case that I laid out, more than the 21-day moving average? I mean, 50% more than the daily average, that's usually going to be a news-based event, particularly with like a, a stock. Maybe there was an upgrade, maybe there was some positive FDA news, or maybe there was a earnings event. That's usually tied to a really, really strong volume. But it does help to see consistent days of high volume. That tells you that there's a lot of accumulation going on in that particular stock. Now, he talks about Etsy and he talks about there being two different patterns. Now, one of the things I try to do in this podcast, I don't try to get into the weeds of a chart because you guys can't see the chart in front of you. So what I would say about this one, and we don't even have to pull up the chart on it, he talks about how he sees this inverse head and shoulders pattern that has been forming over the last three months. But in the grand scheme of things, there's a much bigger head and shoulders pattern. So which one plays out? Which one is going to rule the roost? Well, the short-term pattern is more likely going to be important in the short term and the long-term pattern is going to be more important in the long term. And that kind of sounds stupid the way I say it in the sense that, well, that's pretty freaking obvious, but that's really what it comes down to. A lot of concepts in trading are very simple and we just have to apply it in a simple manner to our trading. And so in this case, longer term patterns, they're going to be much more impactful from a long range. So if you see like a huge inverse head and shoulders pattern that's formed over the last three years, and it starts to break out. Well, I wouldn't expect it to make this gigantic move overnight. It's like it took three years to form the pattern that's probably going to start, you know, a pattern that might last for five or six years, but it's going to be very gradual. There'll probably be some significant pullbacks along the way, but it's a much more longer term trend pattern. Whereas that you have a inverse head and shoulders pattern or a basing pattern in the short term, it may be only something that lasts a few months before there's a, a significant pullback or a reason to get out of the stock. And which one's stronger versus the other? The long-term ones are always going to be stronger because they've developed over time. It's just like if you see something on an intraday chart, like an inverse head and shoulders pattern on an intraday chart, that's not going to carry near the amount of weight that you're going to have as one that was formed on a daily chart or even an hourly chart if you're comparing it to something on a one-minute chart. And also, if you're looking for something that'll help you with your trading, check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. This is going to be my patron service that's tied to this podcast with it. You're going to get all my market research each and every day. That's going to include my weekly watch lists, daily watch lists of bullish and bearish stocks that I'm watching each day. Plus you're going to get updates on all the FANG stocks, updates on all of your big tech plays and the market indices, as well as some of the most intriguing stocks and ideas that I come across each day. So check that out. Swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You're supporting the podcast in the process. Now, as for the second email, there's a lot of stuff to dissect in that one as well. One of the things that stood out to me is, is that Hank talked about the nervousness that he has in his trading. And I would say, well, you got to kind of decrease the amount of share that you're trading, but he's like, in most cases, only trading with one share at a time. So it's kind of hard to do that unless you're going into fractional trading, which I know brokerages like Fidelity, they have that. But you really want to be careful about getting too nervous and letting those emotions run your decision making. Now, I'm also kind of cautious about trying to tell him what to do because he's doing pretty good on the risk reward. He's also up 65% and he's feeling a little bit confident. So I don't want to get in the way of that at all. But he also seems to know what makes him nervous. It sounds like there's something in his past or something in his history that gives him a little bit of anxiety. So he tries to be aware of that. That's actually really good that he's cognizant of the fact that he gets nervous about being up on a trade and everything else. So that at least when he's making a trade, he's not oblivious to the fact that 
you know, his nervousness might be playing a role in it. So he's starting to look instead for trade setups that will take into account his personality style, the way that he responds to trades when he's profitable or even losing. You know, for me, one thing I would make sure that I'm doing is that I'm using a stop loss. I don't know if he is or not, but I definitely don't want my nerves to be the reason why I would be getting out of a trade. I talk about a lot where if we're nervous in our trades, there's oftentimes an issue with position sizing and that we need to be trading with less shares or smaller amount of capital. But there's also some people that they just have a very nervous personality in general. You, Some of you guys have probably met people like this. I have people in my life, they're very, very nervous when you talk to them. One person that I talk to a few times a year regarding some business matters, every time I talk to him, very nervous personality. He always looks like he's worried about something bad's about to happen all the time. He just he has a nervous personality. And, and when you have those kinds of personalities, it doesn't mean that you can't trade or that you can't do well. He's having his best year yet. And that's a good thing. And it's also a good thing that he's aware of the nervousness that he has that's inherently a part of who he is. But there's one part of the email, and I would encourage anybody who's feeling this way to just ask yourself. If you're feeling nervous about a trade and you decide to get out based off of getting nervous or questioning the trade, ask yourself, why are you nervous about the trade? Ask yourself, why are you questioning the trade? And usually you can get to the root cause if you're just being honest with yourself. Like I said, we were talking about position sizing. If it's me that's getting nervous about it, I can tell you exactly what will make me nervous on every single trade. One, if the stock has just way too much volatility to it, or two, if I'm trading with too much capital or a position size that's far too big for me. And so I've taken that into account in all my trading. I don't trade penny stocks. I don't trade crazy leverage positions. I just trade stocks with low to medium volatility, but I'm not going to go after these things that are real crazy like GameStop or AMC or Bed Bath & Beyond or something that has huge amounts of headline risk because I don't like that. And finally, tackle this question about stock symbol ZWS, Zern LK Water Solutions. I don't think I've ever traded this one before, but to refresh your mind, he talks about how on 421, it was trading in a range and triggered on his market scan. That day, there is a small green candle staying inside the range, but on very high volume. So yeah, I would say if it's still in the trading range, I mean, looking at the chart, yeah, it was, it was a pretty nice candle that you got. It was on extremely high volume. It could have been news-based. So let's check. Let's check if it was a news-based kind of a move. And usually, I mean, you can go on Twitter and other times find a lot of market-based news, but usually I just go to Think or Swim. And when I go to Think or Swim, there's no news for that day. So what that would usually tell me is, is that there's some accumulation. There's some people that are starting to gain interest. Maybe you actually have some institutions that are trying to get involved in it at that point. That's a good sign. It's very, very strong volume. There are some big buyers there. And then you also had pretty solid volume on Monday as well, or the 24th. But what it looks like is, is that was kind of a prelude to its earnings event today, or at least on the time of this recording, they had an earnings report that came out. That's going to result in probably a lot of volume the following day, or in most cases. So I would probably say that a lot of that volume increase that you were seeing over the last couple of days was probably people trying to get in ahead of earnings. Maybe there was even some inside information going on there. I hope not, but that does go on. I can assure you that. I mean, happens all the time. So if you're looking for the story and you're looking at the charts, you can see that it's had earnings. And at least if you were looking at it a few days ago, you could look at the, the future news events. You should always be keeping track of the stocks that you're looking to get into or the stocks that you're already in about when they're going to be reporting earnings. If you're not doing that, you're just setting yourself for a nasty surprise. In this case, they had earnings today, but the volume started pouring in back on Friday, but it didn't break out of its base. And now it does have a pretty impressive 
basing pattern going on, but it hasn't really broken out above it. Now, sometimes you'll play a breakout. Let's say if you're trying to get into stock XYZ at $100 and it goes above it intraday, it may not hold that $100 where it breaks out at. Maybe it closes at $99.50. Does that mean the trade is over? No, but if you didn't get into the trade, most cases what I'll do is wait for it to see if it can break the highs of the previous day the following day, or I'll wait for the market to get closer to the close before I make a decision on buying it. At that point, I can usually have a good idea whether or not it's going to hold that breakout level into the close. So with ZWS, there's a story there. you got to find the story. In this case, there was a nice basing pattern. It was getting closer to breaking out, but it was on higher volume. But because of earnings, if it was me, I'd be saying, hey, I can't trade this one because I got earnings. I need to let the dust settle before I get back into it. Usually I wait a couple of days after earnings before I would consider getting into the trade just in case I get hammered with some nasty downgrades or something else like that. But overall, though, I think there were some good questions that was asked here. A lot of times when I'm doing podcasts that are to charts, it can be kind of difficult to explain it from my end. So I'm hoping on your end, it's a little bit better, well-received than the way I feel like I gave it. If you have any questions, make sure to send them to Ryan at SharePlanner.com. I want to hear your stories. I want to hear where you're from. I want to hear what your struggles are. Send them to me, man. I'm trying to put every one of these into their own podcast episode. I promise I'm trying my best. So send it to me, Ryan at SharePlanner.com. Check out SwingTradingStockMarket.com. I think you guys will like it. And make sure to leave me a five-star review if you can. Thank you guys, and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.